Hello, listeners, and welcome to the Women in Pop podcast. I am Jet Tattersall. Now, before we get into today's show, heads up that issue 10 of Women in Pop is just a couple of weeks away. We have a fantastic lineup, as always, in this issue. So stay tuned to our social media pages. Just search Women in Pop to find out who we'll be featuring. You can also subscribe to be the first in line to get your copy. Go to womeninpop.com forward slash subscribe. Now, our guest today first rose to prominence in 2011 as the lead singer of indie band The Jezebels, who scored three top five albums and a veritable pile of ARIA award nominations. Last year, she launched her solo career with the debut EP, The Glorious, The Piss, The Perfume, and today she launches her second EP, The Drip. It is, of course, the incredible Hayley Mary. Hayley, hello, and welcome to Women in Pop. Thank you, Jet. What a lovely introduction that was. I feel like I should have called my EP The Glorious, The Piss, The Perfume. (laughs) (laughs) It's just The Piss, The Perfume, but when you put The Glorious on the front, it's even better. It's like hindsight is such a wonderful thing. It's a double-edged sword. You're like, oh, that would have been good. And also, in not in keeping with the tradition of uh, female musicians who tend to be humble, I'm going to have to add a little bit to that that description and brag and that we actually did win an aria as well please not just get nominated no 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 (laughs) there are arias there are winning arias there are huge things actually before i go into all that i just (laughs) wanted to go back in time back to 2011 like i will never forget stomping through london listening to a smattering of new music when endless summer came on like that made my day and then Prisoner made the highlight of my musical year. So thank you personally oh, providing, a, like providing a hopeful stomp soundtrack in what was very, like a pretty dark year. So yeah, personally, was it? It, was, okay. it was a tough year. Was but, it as um, dark as 2020 or? Oh, <laughs> uh, no, it was, just, it was like a personal struggle. It was yeah, like not yeah, dark, yeah. it was just a, it was a gritty it's year. Many different types of dark, aren't there? There's many different types of dark. Comes uh, in many shades. It does. I mean, 2020 was dark, but you know, you released the glorious, the piss, the perfume. <laughs> and now we've got 2021 doing things. How are you rolling this year? Look, yeah, um, I've gotten better at looking at living in the present. I think we all had to a bit. Uh, so obviously, I was I was set to release the piss the perfume, unbeknown, unbeknown to us all that there would be a pandemic, and it came out, you know, in the year of a pandemic. So there's a certain element of being a little bit sad that I launched my solo career in unprecedentedly <laughs> uncertain and catastrophic times, but it has given me time and space to develop in ways that I maybe wouldn't have had time and space to do. So I'm quite grateful for some of the silver linings of it. Obviously you just kind of got to roll with the punches a bit. So this EP is one of them. And um, yeah, I'm good. I'm excited about hopefully touring more soon. That would be fun. And I'm just going to get straight into the fun and throw and play lead single. Would you throw a diamond?
Now, I adore this track. You're like a diamond in the dirt, but I love you all the same. It is quintessentially all when I think of like when Hayley Mary springs to mind. It's as if you've bottled yourself and just kind of poured it onto a vinyl record as it spins around. Sorry, that's me visualizing. I love um, your visual. You have a good, <laughs> you have a way with words. You're not a journalist, are you? <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> I could prattle on about why I feel this is the perfect lead track, but it's going to be much more enjoyable coming from its creator. Lead with me. Would you throw a diamond? What it is about? Where did it come from? And were you straight away going, yeah, this is the EP. This is how it starts. Well, it doesn't start with it. It starts no, but with it the was lead. It was, yeah, it was the first single. I suppose look, this song is, to be honest with you, it's a co-write with my partner, Johnny. And I think it does sum up where I am. So it, a lot of it was came from like an old idea of his when he was like a lot younger and it was like a country song, like quite a romantic, slowed down country song that he thought he'd, he just would never go anywhere. And um, he wanted to see how I would sound singing it. And I tried it and I loved it, but I just thought it just needed more gusto and speeding up and a few other parts. And what I loved about it was how romantic it was, but it just needed to be not soppy romantic. It needed to be like aggressive and energetic and this kind of hyper kind of excited romantic. And so I think I like, because it sums up where I'm at at the moment, which is like very much accepting of my feminine side but in a in a quite uh in a quite aggressive way <laughs> uh I don't know I don't know how to articulate it but um, snarling femininity yeah it's not it's not it's not angry it's quite a loving song but it has an aggression to it which I think is a nice balance I suppose I think that's wonderful and now that you've said that this oh god I love it that it's got like country roots yeah, yeah, it's a romantic song about not, and you know, that end that I added, which was like the would you throw a lifetime away, would you throw a diamond away, it was kind of a, a summation of what I thought the situation was, which is like it's an old idea that was almost discarded and then you walk around the corner and you meet someone and suddenly they add to something that you thought was trash and it suddenly becomes a diamond in the dirt. So it was like quite symbolic of the song and also our relationship and you know, falling in love and all that stuff, you know, and you're in, in a bit of self-loathing and then you walk around the corner and someone changes your mind. So it was just kind of a, a romantic sentiment in many ways. That's gorgeous. And you know what? Falling in love is snarling. It's guitars. It's synthesizers. Like it's all the songs. It's yeah. all the songs. So I'm so pleased you did that here. And I kind of want you to now, just, just for fun, go and do a little Willie Nelson, Dolly Parton back catalogue and give them the same, <laughs> the same makeover. Yeah, okay. Um, you mentioned uh, just now uh, about that, um, the aggressive femininity. Um, has that been something that uh, I guess through personal growth, you're, you're owning more. Was there something in your past that you were the lead singer of this indie band or just, you know, you were into rock music. You're like, yeah, but you know, it's not really like a place of women. So as a woman, I have to be fierce and, and almost mannish in a way. And then now like you've got this strength where you're like, no, I'm feminine as shit, but feminine also means snarling and shouting and growling. Yeah. There's definitely for me personally, more of a, an acceptance and an ownership of my feminine side. Um, 
I don't know how much I, in retrospect, I don't think I necessarily blame the music industry. I almost blame the story that you're told about the music industry Mm -hmm. (laughs) and and the world in general, like being brought up in a time when your teachers would tell you, Oh, if you're a, if you're a smart girl, then you'll find it hard to get a boyfriend and things like that. Because guys don't like smart girls. You're going out into the world being told that already. So you kind of have an expectation that, that's the case. And it's sometimes I think it's a little bit of a chicken or the egg. I'm not saying there's no history of uh, inequality or oppression or anything, but the way something I always investigated with the Jezebels lyrically was how much your own, how much of your own oppression is your own making in your mind as well. Not, not speaking for other people, mainly my, myself and conceptually, um, and I think I was obsessed with feminism when I was at uni because I was being taught about it. And so all I was seeing was the patriarchy and that really colours a lot of how I was in my early 20s and how I was in the Jezebels. And then my early 30s came in and I, I decided to change my mind about how I behaved and instead of focusing on all the things that I was told men would stop me doing. I just decided to try and do them. And I found no resistance whatsoever and only help from men. And I I wondered if that was because I'd changed or the world had changed, or maybe it was always like that. And I just had this phobia that there was this uh, resistance against my advancement because I was a woman. So I've always pondered that kind of, debate it's not to say that there isn't real problems and but but also how much how much power you can actually take and where that line moves depending on how your attitude is towards it I suppose has always fascinated me so uh, embracing my own femininity long story short no, <laughs> or no, short, short story long uh, embracing my own femininity is like well I kind of just feel a lot more feminine these days because I don't feel like it's my it's my weakness anymore. I feel it's a strength. So, and, and a lot of men and male friends have kind of taught me that as much as women have that, that and maybe the world has changed a fair bit since I was growing up to be fair. So, you know, maybe I was right then, <laughs> but um, I, I, yeah, that's kind of why I feel more comfortable exploring it. Plus also, I think you just change. It's natural anyway. So you can go down a road and explore it for a while and then you kind of just get bored <laughs> and you want to change your story. <laughs> so you're like, I might wear a dress because it just like feel like being pretty. Like it might just be as simple as that. <laughs> I'm going to put a dress on today, bracing my femininity. <laughs> Sometimes it's something that happens as you get older as well. I've heard like, you know, even supermodels talking about how when they were younger, they used to try and look more like a boy and like, but it's like, that's because you were really young and hot. And then as you get older and you start realizing that you're, you know, that, you don't take your looks and sexiness for granted. You start trying to sex it up a bit. <laughs> so maybe, maybe there's something that going on as well. I don't know. But, That's um, so true. Hmm. <laughs> when you don't have it anymore, you start grasping. You're like, oh, maybe I'll wear the mini skirt and the fucking 
leopard print <laughs> shirt and get my cleavage out, that kind of thing. I just need to brand Drescher this <laughs> so where we can put that out. Yeah. I'm so glad you said that as well about growth and your sound because um, the drip is so, again, distinctly you and it's all guitar and late night shouts and anecdotes, you know, and personal integrity that people can take and sort of... Um, use it themselves as a listener but then your sound has strengthened as much as it's softened um that's and cool a, yeah that's a there's cool a real hand in hand thing here um and i just wanted to know what was your initial desire for the ep as a whole um strengthening as well as softening is a really good way of putting it i wouldn't have articulated like that because I often don't know what I'm doing. I'm kind of one of those subconscious performers. Like I put one foot in front of the other because it's a compulsion. I think a lot of people are like, they must do, they must write, they must sing, they must perform. And the way they do it sort of manifests as it happens. It's not really planned so much. Sometimes I have concepts. I know that there's a theme. I know that there's a difference in me vaguely, but I don't know how that's going to manifest. And when you say going ahead, what did you say? Softening at the same time as strength. Yeah, it's straight. There's like, it's, it's a soft, it's like your shoulders are back, but you're in a floaty dress. That's well, what it looks like kind visually. Of, it sums it up because in some ways when I was younger, I was doing the opposite, which was hardening but at the same time as weakening mm. and I would be going up against this so-called enemy that I'd created in my head that may have resembled a real enemy in the world, but it was, it was how it affected me. And it, it kind of wore me down that, that kind of anger that manifested in a hardness and there's a cool energy in anger and it's, it's got its place and it's, and it's got its time. And it's, for me, it was then, and now I don't have it and I've kind of shed it like a skin, not like COVID, uh, like, like, like a hard snake skin. And I've kind of have softened, but it, it's, it's a, it is a stronger um, manifestation of myself, I think, because it's like a realisation and a growth, which happens as you get older. Um, Beautiful. Yeah. I know you said that um, with the piss, the perfume, uh, you wanted it to sound like a, a memory of your parents dancing in the kitchen. And I loved that. And I loved that so much. But there's an extension of that. Did you read the rest of the sentence? The extension of that comment. It, it was, I wanted it to sound like a memory of my parents dancing in the kitchen, but my dad is Roy Orbison and my mum is Cindy Lauper. <laughs> well, that's the dream. So it's a, it's a <laughs> fake memory. <laughs> my parents never danced in the kitchen. I've always written about fake memories. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to marry their tastes in music because they fought so much. So there was a kind of harmony I was trying to create uh, musically to bring the two forces in my childhood together. The two an antitheses in my childhood together. I think, I think that's absolutely gold. <laughs> <laughs> And on that nostalgic and softening, I'm now going to play title track, The Drip.
Now this track is just full, like there's that sardonic snarl in it, but at the same time, there's a softness and it's, uh, I want to say reflection and there's this strange, playful kindness to it, but I'm just projecting. So I'd love you to talk me through this. No, you're, you're totally hitting the nail on the head. I've, this song was actually a struggle because we couldn't work out where it sat in terms of that sardonic kind of cynic or the romance thing. And I find, I find this, the, um, the push and pull between romance and cynicism is a constant theme in my mind and life and writing because it's like, I'm, I am a romantic, but I am a cynic. And I mean, you're always a romantic when you're in love and then you're a cynic when you're, when you're scorned and it's like, they're both true and you just use whichever one you need. And I think this song was, was really difficult for me because I couldn't quite work out exactly what it was about. It was quite a stream of consciousness. It was written based on a bunch of lyrics that I'd just written on napkins while I was working in a cafe in Edinburgh because I couldn't take out my phone and do voice memos like I normally would because I'd get fired. So every time I thought of like a line, I'd write it on a napkin and then I'd just go home and put the napkins in a shoebox and I just stored it up over about a year. And then I got them out again when I'd moved back to Melbourne and kind of put it together. And to me, it was like a reflection on Scotland and my, my impression of that place. And I guess it's my dad's home country. And so I feel a lot of connection to it, but I have this romantic... I think they have a romantic and cynical nature at the same time. The UK just makes me think there's such an amazing balance between romance and cynicism. But um, so I never knew where it sat. And it was also a bit of a love song about, you know, an addict. And so I never knew whether it ended up being the romantic or the cynic that kind of won. And we struggled with the production of it because we were like, is it more aggressive or should it be softer with piano? Or so I put out the nude version, as we call it, the stripped back version to like show the softer side of it. Cause it is a romantic song about letting go of someone. So it's like being grateful for the romance, but also it's over. So it's kind of a bit of both. And yeah, I, I don't know. I think you summed up it, it, it up quite well, actually. I was glad you picked up on that because I don't know where it sits. And these days you're supposed to know what songs are about and have some neat package of a story around it. And it's really hard because it's one of my favourite songs, but it's just, it is a little bit poetically fraught, I, I suppose. No, I mean, I guess this is why you brought out the nude version and this is why you turned a country song into what it became. And, you know, this is why when we're kids, we cry our eyes out listening to um, Space Odyssey and then you find out it's about heroin, you know? Like, yeah, just... and that's fine. Like, it's fine for a kid to relate to a junkie. Exactly. It's natural. Because <laughs> it is sad. It's sad to die in space yeah. alone and it's sad to die of heroin. Like both things are sad. It's good yeah. to be crap. <laughs> um, speaking of um, childhood and your father isn't Roy Orbison because he's, he's not, not in Scotland, but I just want to know what part, you know, what part did music play in your childhood and what's it sort of encouraged you to start creating your own? Well, it, 
I have a bit of a, a push and pull, <laughs> again, a romantic and cynical thing with, with music. It was kind of forced on me as a kid. <laughs> and so I resisted a lot of elements of it, like instruments. And my dad's a musician. He plays harp. He plays guitar. He's really, he's really good at, at music and the tangible kind of instrumental side of things. And he listened to a lot of um, all that 70s stuff, your Bowie and your Queen and the kind of um, dramatic performance stuff. He kind of introduced me to all that UK rock and like Kate Bush and these amazing performers, ELO, you know, all those and the 60s, the Kinks, the Beatles, all that stuff. All this kind of really creative, uh, eccentric British rock music. And then my mom was like a bit of a, you know, suburban girl that just liked 80s synth pop because it was the 80s and she just likes pop, you know. But she, and she played a little bit of piano, like self-taught, but they, they were both quite musical, but they were both, they influenced me more in what they listened to than, because I resisted the playing. I Dad tried to get me to play every instrument and I just hated it. But I used to sneak away into my room and like write songs on guitar, even though, he'd never asked me to play guitar. I think it was specifically because I, he didn't ask me to play guitar <laughs> that I played it. And then, and he didn't force me to sing. So I think that was why I was, it was like, it had to be a rebellion for me, not the thing that he told me to do. So yeah, there was a lot of music in my life, but I really struggled to get out of my bedroom with it. But my dad used to do things like he's a pretty amazing human, like quite an eccentric human. He used to take, because I, I grew up partly in Byron Bay and he used to take me down to the, like I used to follow him down to Broken Head Beach, which is like this headland and he'd take his harp down and play harp or, or bagpipes. He actually played bagpipes on the rocks. And I remember one morning like dolphins getting up and dancing to his bagpipes. Because obviously that would be a frequency that they would relate to. Oh my and, God. and I was like, this is like, you know, it's, yeah, this is like something, you know, like the dolphins can swim type shit. It was pretty magic, some pretty magical memories. He used to force me to go busking though and dress me like a fairy, which at the time I didn't love, but he did call me Haley Mary and he was Antichrist, which is where I got the biblical pun name from. So, you know, a lot of it I owe to his weird, weird creativity. Oh, that whole <laughs> thing is the opening to a film. Like, <laughs> oh, and I'm never going to look at a dolphin ever again without hearing bagpipes. So yeah. that's good too. Yeah. Also, I just, I'm going to like, I, I saw this just as you were discussing. So your dad's got this amazing, like eccentric Brit rock and your mom loves 80s synth. Yeah, she's the pop sort of st- more square one, I guess, even though she's not a square at all, but like the down the line, I think the person that gave me that sensibility for just like the everyday pop stuff. You rebelled, but I'm now going to play Sullen Kick.
Now that is a combination of both your parents. That is yeah. you in a song. That is the child that your parents birthed and, you know, bagpiped opened on the beach. That song <laughs> is like, yeah. you know, gritty London rock and synthesizer. Like they must just, that's their song. That's beautiful. It's such a good song. Oh, I'm glad you like it. Yeah, I, I feel like it taps in on a little bit of like Joy Division's um, like excitement or something with this with the synths in there, which excites me a lot. But yeah. Oh. That it is quite poppy and, and the vocal's quite prominent, which you wouldn't normally do in like a, a new wave rock thing. It's but. so good. That's going to be a perfect school dance song as well. There are going to be children making out to that song. You can't help it. It's going to happen. Okay. <laughs> I always wanted to make children make out. <laughs> I want make out music for teenagers. With each other. Just with yeah. each other. Yeah, yeah, just with each other. Um, Hayley, obviously we've got, you know, the EPs out today, which is awesome. And we've hopefully got some tours. Can you just tell us what's coming up next for you? Well, yeah, so today I'm playing the Barron Bay Music Festival, oh. um, which is cool because it's a hometown show and it's, 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 you know, it's been an emotional year for everyone. So it's nice to be able to do that right on the top um, top park which is apparently called Denman Park, which I grew up here and I didn't even realise that. But um, which will be great. And then, and there's a bunch of local acts there. And then in July 30th, I've got my Melbourne launch and then August 13th, the Sydney launch. And I think there's, there's talk of a few uh, supports that I can't, can't officially announce yet, but keep your eye out because there's some, hopefully quite extensive touring around Australia supporting uh, some sick bands that I can't name, but that will, that'll come out soon. And all I want to do is just actually do the UK tour that I was supposed to do for my first EP, but we'll see. Might we'll have to get the jab. We'll see. <laughs> see, you have a way with words. As well. <laughs> Hayley, it has been such a treat talking to you today. Thank you so much for joining us. Now, Hayley Mary's new EP, The Drip, is out today across all platforms. So please give it a stream or download just immediately. Hayley would also be playing a number of shows across Australia in the coming months. And to find out more or buy tickets, just go to hayleymary.com forward slash tour. And finally, issue 10 of Women in Pop magazine is out in just a few weeks. Go to womeninpop.com forward slash subscribe to be the first in the queue to get your copy. Thank you for listening today. We will be back with another episode very soon. Until then, from myself and Haley Mary, goodbye. Thank you for having me. That was great.